Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, everyone. It is Thursday, October the 12th, 2023. It is currently 5.07 p.m. Central Time, and I am coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Well, we have been watching closely the situation within Israel, the developments, the tragedy, the death, the destruction that has been underway as Israel is in a war with Hamas, as Israel is in a war with Gaza, depending on how you want to frame it. Israel could be in a war with not just the terrorist organization Hamas, but any other nation that may be supporting them in some proxy type of war. Will this escalate? Will this de-escalate? Who else is going to get involved? Lots of, a lot of questions, a lot of unknowns. And we have been following this watching this. And one of the things I've been trying to get people to do, at least within the Christian world, is to be on the lookout for how those within the Christian world are talking about it. And what we have seen, this is what I have seen, on one hand, those who are not dispensational, those who believe there is no future promised in the Bible for the nation of Israel, that the nation of Israel has not promised land and a temple and any of those things. For those who don't believe any of that about Israel, they have seen this war and this tragedy and this death as an opportunity to tell everyone, look, this is not the biblical Israel. Biblical Israel's done away with. It's been replaced by the church. There's no future. There's no promise. Stop looking to Israel. They have nothing to say about biblical prophecy or anything else. They're finished. Look to the church. They thought that it was a great opportunity to tell everyone that while people were still dying. We, we, you could, you, you, you can have your own opinions on that, but that, that to me has seemed a little unsettling and very questionable in my opinion. I'm not saying that there isn't a time to have that conversation, but I mean, can, can we wait a little bit? Then on the other hand, we have been waiting for those who are more dispensational, those who believe that there is a future for Israel, that the nation of Israel promises and a covenant has been made with them and they will get the land and there will be a temple and, and a millennial kingdom, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I've been, I've been waiting to see how they were going to handle and what they were going to do. We have seen those who are Christian nationalists go to anti-Semitic, anti-Semitism comments. We've seen those on the left be pro-Hamas, pro-Palestinian, anti-Israel, anti-Semitic. So we've seen these wild divisions taking place, but I keep trying to, uh, one, I'm trying to find the proper balance on this program, and I know I'm a little unbalanced today because this is the second broadcast where we're going to be talking about Israel, Gaza, Israel, Hamas, Israel, and Bible prophecy, and all these types of things. I know I'm a little unbalanced right now. Of course, last night at Victory Baptist Church, we spent over an hour talking about the tabernacle and and all the different things and, and, and salvation. Oh, I, th- I think, I think, you know, that was a, a completely different, you know, thing. So I, that, that provides some balance, but I just, I, I keep paying attention. And so here's what's happening just so that, you know, many of you know that I, I use like multiple podcasting apps, multiple ones, right. And I have my notifications on for all of them. And I keep getting notification after notification after notification of different Christian ministries talking about the situation in Israel, right. Talking about it. So I, I came up here to download one, but I can't find the episode being available anywhere. It's on a couple of podcasting apps, but I have no way to download it. And so then they were supposedly on their YouTube page, but it wouldn't work. So I'm, I'm still looking for that one. But while I was looking at that one, I get a notification from someone else and I'm like, oh, here's, here's another, another ministry. And this one is from Skip Heidzig. He's the pastor of Calvary Chapel, I believe in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I believe that's where he was. He was in Albuquerque, then he went to California, then I think he came back to Albuquerque. But he's a pastor, Skip Heidzig. I think his uh, program is called The Connection with Skip Heidzig. uh, He's a pastor of a Calvary Chapel. And I guess on Sunday, maybe maybe this could have been Wednesday night, um, he released a message called Israel and Gaza. And, and it, the description is an update 
on the situation uh, within Israel and then something about biblical prophecy. Now, you know how it is. I don't listen to these things first. I just started listening to it enough to kind of go, okay, this seems like what he's talking about. I don't know. It's over 60 minutes. So there's no way we can review this in one episode. I don't know if we'll review the whole thing, but we'll at least try to get an idea of what he has to say. If we think he's going to get into some serious biblical teaching, then maybe we'll bookmark this and we'll return to it a number of times until we've listened to everything. Um, if you're looking for how to spell that last name, his last name, give me one second here. I can look him up. It'll only take a sep. Uh, it's Skip, S-K-I-P, and then Heitzig, um, it's spelled H-E-I-T-Z-I-G. Skip Heitzig, H-E-I-T-Z-I-G. And it's Connect with Skip Heidzig is the name of his podcast. You also want to look for Skip Heidzig Calvary Church. All right. Uh, Skip Heidzig Calvary Church. He's got, uh, I think, his normal podcast, and then he has the sermons from his church. And if I remember correctly, his church is, I believe, hang on, where, let me see here. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. Uh... Well, let's see here. I'm looking here to give us our vision. Let's see. Yep, Albuquerque, New Mexico. That's what I thought. Albuquerque, New Mexico. So Skip Heidzik is back. And he's, well, he's been back in Albuquerque, New Mexico. He was there. Then he went to California. He was there for a short amount of time and then went back to Albuquerque. But Skip Heidzig. Um, his, his podcast is called Connect, or you can look up Skip Heidzig Calvary Church. I would strongly recommend you subscribe to his podcast, to his sermons. Again, I don't always agree with everything, but I do, I do like his teaching style. Um, and I started watching uh, Skip Heidzig. This, this goes way back to the 1990s. Okay. There was a satellite television system called Sky Angel. Does anybody remember this? Does anybody remember Sky Angel? All right, you bought a satellite dish and it was all kinds of Christian programming. And so, of course, whenever there's new technology, I wanted to try it out. You got audio channels and you got video channels, right? And on Saturday nights on one of the Sky Angel channels, I think at 7 p.m., maybe 8 p.m., um, Skip Heidzig came on with his Saturday night service. And I, I remember that in the 90s going, man, if I had a church, I would love that. I would love it. Like, like just my mind was thinking, have a, have a Saturday night service, then a, you know, Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and then Wednesday. Well, I thought it was a brilliant idea, right? And so I started looking for churches that would have a Saturday night service. Well, then I started finding out that it wasn't exactly the way I envisioned it. I envisioned that people were so hungry for church that they would come Saturday, then they will come Sunday. And then you kind of find out that Saturday night is really, you're just offering for church for people who don't want to come Sunday. And in some cases, some churches, it's the same sermon. And you're like, what is that? That's horrible. But uh, I did think it was cool that on a Saturday night, be, you know, Christians getting together with their Bibles and their notebooks to hear preaching and teaching. I'm like, that's a that's a cool thing. So I've been listening to him for a long time. Again, I don't always agree. I don't always agree. I mean, obviously, Calvary Chapel, I would have some differences, but I do like his teaching style. And uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to we're going to see what again. I don't know if he preached this on Sunday I don't know. Let me see. Can I even find out? Hang on. Let me see if I can find here on this website. Um, and these church websites, they, like it, it, they do everything they can to hide the actual teaching. <laughs> it's like, okay, you got all the, I, I don't want to join your small group. I don't care about that. I just want to know where, where can I download your sermons? And I cannot find it here anywhere. It's like, why? I don't understand why they do that. Um, and oh well, their website's not even updated. Their website's not even updated. Oh, churches, 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 churches. Could you please? Could you please get your? Could you just? If you're going to have a podcast, if you're going to broadcast, could you update things on a regular, consistent basis? I mean, Skip Heidzik, you've probably got fifty people on your staff. 
your stuff. But so, yeah, when I click there, there it's behind. So um, I, I, I don't, I can't tell you when this was preached. It had to be either Sunday or Wednesday. There you go. So we're gonna go. We're gonna go listen to this, and uh, we're gonna see what Skip Heinzik has to say. Don't know if we're gonna agree. Don't know if we're gonna disagree. Uh, but we're listening to see how Christian ministries are handling it. And we're going to try to warn people about any extremism and taking scriptures out of context. And I, again, I'm warning you, my, my concern is the anti-Semitism to me is shocking. And those who don't believe that there's a future for Israel seem like it's such a wonderful time when people are dying to really tell you, hey, Israel, there is no future for you. All the promises that go to you come to us. Just Deal with it. I, I, I don't. I don't. I know they're not saying it exactly that way, but it just. It definitely comes across that way. All right. But are you ready to listen? Let's see what was happening at Calvary Chapel in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Cal, uh, Skip Heidzig. Let's listen and see how he began. Now this is going to come in with music that's a little loud. I'll lower the volume. He comes right in, and as soon as he comes in, I'll increase the volume. Here we go. Hey, as we're getting started, uh, of course, welcome. Um, I can tell by uh, the crowd size that there's a lot of interest in the topic we're uh, going to be talking about because it is happening in real time right now uh, on the other side of this world, if not in other places, um, perhaps um, soon. Uh, we hope not, but we know what is happening uh, right now. Now, I don't know how he's measuring that, but if, if the pastor stands up there and go, whoa, there's a lot of you here. There's obviously a lot of interest. I don't know if they sent out a message to a lot of people that he was going to be dealing with Israel and it attracted a lot of people. I don't know if that demonstrates there's a lot of interest on this subject or not. Uh, we will have to see, uh, but let's continue to listen and see. Now, you see how he kind of says it's happening now and kind of where it's going. So you can kind of feel that this is going to get into some biblical prophecy. At least that's the vibe I'm getting, but we'll find out together. But I do, as we begin, I want to welcome those who are joining us live stream on YouTube and our different platforms. We welcome you. We know there's a lot of people. We have 200,000 YouTube subscribers and uh, no doubt many will be tuning in even as we speak. Also, I want to give a special shout out and welcome to a church that is live streaming this for their midweek service in Huntington Beach, California, Refuge Calvary under Pastor Bill. We want to welcome you and glad that you're a part of this as well. I was in Germany uh, last Saturday in Essen, Germany, uh, in the afternoon, evening in Germany when with a group of pastors in a room, hundreds of pastors, and I got a text from my wife uh, that said, Israel is at war. Rockets were fired. I looked and I thought, well, rockets get fired in Israel a lot. So I didn't know how um, alarmed to be. But then she plainly said, Israel is at war. And then she gave me a call and followed up and told me what was going on with the news you know what happened. And what happened, happened on the 50th anniversary of the Yom Kippur War. It was on a very significant day, as these things are want to happen on. Okay, now, again, if you listen to our Bible pop quiz... I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to say that I always get things right, but in this particular case, I think those things I told you to look up for the Bible pop quiz, Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement, I, I, I gave you a number of things to look up, Feast of Tabernacles, these are the things that are being constantly reported. Anytime anyone talks about the, the current situation in Israel and the beginning of it, they mention these feasts and these events and, and the war in 1973, like, like a lot of these. So I just kind of felt that these are the things that are going to be talked about over and over and over and over again. And so if you look those things up and participated in that pop quiz, then you are well equipped to, to be able to discuss these things and know what they reference and, and the significance of them. All right, let's continue. 
It was on the last day of that festival of Sukkot, uh, Simchat Torah, where people are celebrating the law. It was the final reading of the law. The people were uh, supposed to be joyfully celebrating that. In 1973, the Yom Kippur War was launched by Arab neighbors who sought to take Israel completely off guard, and they did. Israel did not expect what happened 50 years ago, and as we discovered, Israel did not expect what happened the other day. On Saturday, 3,500 rockets were launched from Gaza into Israeli territories indiscriminately. Just let it fall where they may kill whoever it would kill. Uh, That has been um, the pattern in the past. Then, as you know, Uh, Armed terrorists went across the border at several different porous places, invaded towns, attacked kibbutzim, went from house to house, killing families, beheading babies, uh, killing elderly people, uh, Holocaust survivors, taking many of them hostages, burning them in their vehicles when they sought to escape. ISIS-like methodology door-to-door, women and children. 1,200 dead in Israel, including 22 Americans. They will say it is the bloodiest day in Israeli history in the modern state of Israel. That's significant. It's not a skirmish. It's an all-out declaration of war. It's the bloodiest day in Israel's history in modern-day Israel, It is equivalent in our country of 9-11 times 10. If you look at the population of that country versus the population of this country, it is like 10 or 11 9-11 happenings overnight. Now, why are we doing a special night devoted to this? Well, first of all, it's on all the news channels, and we're wondering what significance this has with those of us who believe in and trust in the revelation of Scripture. But also, because every now and then in life, you're given a moment where you have moral clarity like no other moment. When you are able to have a certain kind of perspicuity into a situation that you have not had up to that point, you are able to see pure evil. And such is that moment. Now, interesting. He says that there are certain moments in life where you have absolute moral clarity. Absolute clarity. And you see evil. Now, you would would hope that everyone would agree to that. But in our current culture, people, because some people think the moral clarity is that Israel was the evil one and they got what they deserved. Others are like, no, 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 no. Israel are, was innocent in this situation. Hamas is the evil and they, there needs to be retribution and there needs to be, uh, you know, retaliation against them. And then some are like, well, evil, not evil, bad, good. Hey, doesn't really, Israel doesn't really matter in light of scripture because biblical Israel is gone. It's been replaced by the church. So it doesn't really, I'm going to, I'm going to use this opportunity while people are dying to make that point. So I, I, is, is that moral clarity? I, I wish we had moral clarity. I wish, I wish, but so many times when I think there's moral clarity <laughs> there, there isn't. And well, we'll see where he's going to go with it. I think he, I think he, I'm getting the suspicion that he has some strong feelings about this and maybe where things are headed. And I think he's going to start, a lot of the broadcasts we've listened to or the ones I've listened to so far has not done a lot of turning to biblical prophecy yet. They've just kind of given, you know, some basic comments and basic statements in regards to what has happened. Let's see if he, if he takes it in a biblical direction. Let's see where he goes. The world has now seen the side of a terrorist organization, Hamas, like Hezbollah, like several others under different names, they're able to see the face of these organizations, the kind of things that Israel told us they did and believed in, but the world wasn't so sure. 
now we're sure. Now we have the kind of clarity that we didn't have otherwise. Now, what I have planned for this evening, I'm going to wrap it up with some added information and some biblical insight. But I've asked a couple of people to join me. Um, and I conducted these interviews yesterday. The first is from a good friend of ours who lives in Jerusalem. He has immigrated there with his family. He's New York Times best-selling author, Joel Rosenberg, uh, will be joining us from Jerusalem. And uh, he also is the founder of the Joshua Fund and All Israel News and All Arab News. These are news outlets that give you up-to-date occurrences of what's happening in the Middle East. Uh, with his team on the ground. Also, he does on TBN every week what's called the Rosenberg Report. So we're going to roll this uh, interview with Joel, and then I'll be back to introduce our next guest. Now, I would say anybody who airs anything on TBN, I would greatly, qu- <laughs> I would, I would be suspicious of because if TBN o- offered me a a million dollars, I would make sure my program was on there. Okay, all right. I'm just saying TBN. Whew, you talk about a, a a place of theological her- heresy, TBN would be it. But I know a lot of programs think, hey, if I can get on the air in TBN, at least I can add some positive content there. So I'm not going to call their content completely into question. I'm just saying anything that's on TBN makes me worry because if you've ever watched TBN, whew, what a mess of theology that Christian television station is. All right, but let's let's see. He's conducted these interviews. This is, uh, I'm assuming we're going to get a lot of updates here. Maybe just, uh, uh, again, some, we're just hearing how the Christian world is reacting to this. That's what we're trying to do. And then maybe we'll, we'll save his biblical approach to another podcast and we'll just work our way through this. So we'll just see how long we want to go and we'll just see what we can learn from this. So here we go. Well, Joel, thank you so much, first of all, for taking time and being with us. I know you've got a lot of demand uh, with what you do and where you are. Uh, Joel, you immigrated with your family to Israel, and you have seen rockets being shot into Israel over the last several years. But this is different, would, wouldn't you say? This is unlike anything I've ever seen before, Skip. I first came to Israel 35, 36 years ago to study at Tel Aviv University. And you're right, I've been coming back and forth ever since, starting the Joshua Fund, starting all Israel News, uh, and of course, yeah, becoming a dual U.S.-Israeli citizen nine years ago. And when we arrived in August of 2014, we arrived in the midst of a rocket war. And about 4,000 rockets were fired in a month at Israel. And people thought we were crazy to come here. But God had called us. Almost as many rockets have been fired in the last four days as were fired in the entire month of August 2014. Okay, so that just gives you... A sense of the scope. Look at that. This is the, and this is uh, Israel's uh, Pearl Harbor. This is our 9/11. It's the, it's the worst uh, set of civilian murders and casualties here in Israel in the entire history of the state of Israel in this short period of time. In fact, this is the biggest murder of Jews since the Holocaust. Hmm. Okay, meaning meaning. Uh, in a, in a four-day period. We've never seen anything quite like this. Uh, just one more point. 900 Israelis have been murdered so far. And, and I'm talking about, like, Hamas. Look, most Americans don't know what Hamas is. They're a radical Islamist terrorist organization. But you have to think ISIS, okay? Hamas doesn't mean anything to most Americans. ISIS does. And what what has happened in the last four days here? Hamas has chopped off the heads of babies, They've shot children in front of their mothers. They've shot and murdered mothers in front of their children. They've burned houses with Jews trapped in them to kill them. And, like, it's just off the charts, demonic, satanic, and it's got everyone just in shock, grieving, of course, angry. But um, I think grief is the number one emotion that people are, are dealing with right now. And now we have to get ready really go on offense. Okay, now, once again, within the Christian world, one of the things that always bothers me is people turn on microphones, they start talking. Now, 
when they report any numbers, we know those numbers are constantly changing. So this obviously was early on. I think he has 900 dead. I think that number, I think the number now is well over 2,000 dead, including both Palestinians, those within Gaza and those within Israel. I think we're at almost 300 Israeli troops. Those numbers are constantly changing depending on sources, which can be difficult. But he talked about babies being beheaded. Now, there, there, this is still being discussed, and there's a lot of back and forth on this. Let me just read to you from one report. Unverified reports of 40 babies beheaded in Israel-Hamas war inflame social media. No photo evidence has been made public as of Thursday morning which would back up the claims that babies had been beheaded. Israel has published photos of dead infants after a terror attack. So there are, uh, so maybe there are dead babies, but some of these things we don't know, they're, they're unconfirmed. So I would just tell you, be very, 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 very careful. Now look, what Hamas has done is already horrific enough. But when it comes to Christians, this, I cannot stress this enough. We must be the source of wisdom, of a sound mind, of speaking the truth, of having knowledge, of have understanding. We put away, uh, you know, high, uh, we put away unconfor- unconfirmed reports. We don't speak on misinformation or disinformation. The church should be the place that people could go, look, I don't know who to listen to in a world. Listen to Christians. They will tell me the truth, whether it's good or bad. But sadly, that's not always the case. Now, I don't know where he heard this report. I don't know. I've seen the report bounce around all over the place. I think the White House even reported it and then they pulled down their report or back down, back down or stepped back from the report. Because I think this went everywhere as as confirmed, and now it's unconfirmed. Now, this was as, uh, this was today at 1.14 p.m. At 1.14 p.m., all right? So a series of shocking reports have spread horrific claims of baby beheadings by Hamas militants across social and mainstream media in recent days, adding a particular incendiary element to an already violent and bitter war. But the reports are still unconfirmed and in some cases have been retracted. So in some cases they've been retracted. Please, I beg you. Now, remember, this is happening inside a church, the, he's playing these this for a church. The church has to be the one place where we do not report unconfirmed details. We have, and, and if we do report an unconfirmed detail that is then retracted, the church must immediately post a a retraction or or not or a correction. I I, I prefer to post. Corrections, not retractions, because I want people to know, yes, I made the mistake and I have to do better instead of simply deleting the mistake. But that's my own, that's my own thoughts on it. But just be very careful. Now, they may well have done this horrific thing. I mean, the other things they did were horrific. So I'm not going to say they have it. Just be very careful when you see, and if you've got Christian friends who love to do this, or family members, that if you have a good relationship, you've got to say, stop, stop, stop. Stop with the nonsense. Stop with the conspiratorial thinking. Stop with the wrong information. Stop with the misinformation. As Christians, speak the truth, put away lies. So I know he went right there and he just mentioned it. And, 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 but... I knew immediately as soon as he said it. I'm like, I know that that there's already been articles saying that this is not confirmed. It may turn out to be true, but we be we're very very we try to be very very careful. We try to be very very careful. All right, so just keep that in mind. All right, let's continue listening. Prime Minister has declared formally a declaration of war. And so with that, what is the sense of the people there, uh, the, the population in general? Are any of them optimistic about this? Of course, grieving, scared. Are they resolved going forward? Oh, absolutely resolved. There's no question. We're going to win this war, but it's going to be messy. We're probably going to have to invade Gaza. Remember, this is an important point, Skip, to just bring up right up front. Israel does not occupy the Gaza Strip. Right. They were accused of it, but it's not true. In 2005, our prime minister at that time decided to pull all Israeli soldiers 
and all Israeli civilians out of the Gaza Strip and just give the Gaza Strip to the Palestinians as a gift. You can have it. We don't want it anymore. Okay? So there's no there's no actual reason for a terrorist to come across the border and tell us, oh, you, you know, we're, we're here to, you know, fight you because you're occupying our land. We're not. Here they are. They're contained. Uh, the Gaza area is contained. Uh, but they're getting they're getting some kind of replenishment of the weapons that they use from somewhere. Talk about that. What country's behind this? Well, the main funder and supplier of arms and strategy and direction is Iran, the terrorist regime in uh, in Iran. Um, so that's a problem. One of the ways they the, 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 the Iranians get their supplies of weapons in is by disaggregating them and, you know, hiding them in shipments of, you know, humanitarian relief goods or whatever, or that they're dual use things. Like a lot of the missiles or rockets are actually built in metal shops in Gaza. Okay. But they're, they're not that sophisticated. So you can just keep building, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of them um, based on just scrap metal or, you know, or, or metal that you're bringing in to reconstruct, you know, uh, damaged buildings and build new high rises. So a lot of international aid gets siphoned off by Hamas and used to build terror tunnels, weapons and so forth. But yes, and then whole weapons are smuggled in sometimes. We, we thought we were doing a good job at sealing it off, but clearly, um, Iran and Hamas has, uh, blindsided us by being far better prepared than Israeli intelligence realized. And that's a colossal failure, a staggering failure of Israeli intelligence. And there will be a political price to pay for those in power um, if they don't win this war so successfully that everybody focuses on, you know, on the victory rather than this horrific early set of defeats. Um, So uh, I think the... The, the political future of Prime Minister Netanyahu was very much in doubt. He was unpopular before the war began, but his sort of saving grace was he was always considered Mr. Security. And now that has blown a hole in the side of his brand, he was the one who made peace with four Arab Israeli countries, uh, four Arab countries, right? The Abraham Accords. He's, Netanyahu's the one that has kept us out of major wars in the region and protected us. And he has done a good job, but something went wrong. Okay, now Hamas doesn't do anything on its own. It's all the direction comes from Iran, okay? So why does Iran... All right, so he's going to point towards Iran. Now, just remember that there's always that debate. Well, hey, we've got Gaza, Gaza sealed off. We've got Gaza completely sealed off. And remember, this is always the debate. They're like, well, wait, the, those in Gaza, the, the the Palestinians could go, wait a minute, this is not right. And, and the whose land, our land, your land, the fight over the land has been going on for a very, very long time, which gets into major religious issues. And this is the reason why many atheists and agnostics look at the entire situation and say, that's what religion gives you. War, death, and destruction. And you've got to, you you can't just shrug your shoulders when an atheist or an agnostic or a skeptic says that because they've got good historical arguments for religion being the source of many, uh, of much conflict. I think we can acknowledge that. Now, he's, he believes Iran was involved. Remember, we keep saying if that is proven to be an accurate case, then that takes this situation and it does it escalates it does not de-escalate you get more people involved then greater chance of this conflict becoming much more regional and then you have major humanitarian crises and you have all kinds of other uh issues Let, let's see what else they have to say here on want to pick a fight with us now because they want to blow up the the peace process, they, they are terrified. The Iranian regime is terrified of the idea of an Israeli-Saudi peace treaty because that would essentially be the end of the Arab-Israeli conflict as we've known it, right? And so what has been the Iranian strategy here? The Iranian leadership strategy is tell Hamas to go into Israel in this massive attack, then lure Israel into a ground war inside Gaza 
which is going to be incredibly messy. It's urban warfare, street to street, house to house, apartment to apartment, booby trap, landmines. There are going to be high Israeli casualties. And there's going to be high Palestinian casualties. And what does Iran want at the leadership level? What does the supreme leader of Iran want? He doesn't, he, yes, of course he wants dead Jews. But what he really wants is dead Palestinians. Now you say, well, why would the supreme leader of Iran want dead Palestinians? Because he wants television images of collateral damage of, of, of women or children and young men who are killed by uh, Israel as Israel tries to hit Hamas terrorists for hiding behind the human shields of the two million Palestinian civilians and behind our Israeli hostages that they have, right? So that's that's this cowardly, demonic way. So if we try to go get them, no matter how hard we try, and we will try very, very hard not to kill civilians, but it will happen. And when it happens, this will make the Supreme Leader of Iran very, very happy because CNN, MSNBC, all the networks, New York Times, BBC, Al Jazeera, everybody else will start to make us as Israelis look like monsters. That, that we're not defending ourselves from monsters, but now we are the monsters. And that they, they, the Iranian leadership hopes will cause the Arab Muslim world to back away from Israel rather than gravitate towards us. And that, I mean, obviously, ultimately, Iran wants us to be annihilated. It's the Iranian leaders that are on the record that keep saying we want to wipe Israel off the map. So, of course, they want to kill us all. But to get there, they need to isolate us. And what they're terrified of is rather than the whole Muslim world being against us right now, more and more of the Muslim world is for Israel. And that's what they're trying to blow up right now. Joel, it's been said that Israel will use bombs to protect its people, or Hamas will use people to protect its bombs. Their strategy is different. So yeah. now that an incursion has happened into Gaza, there's rubble from the bombings, and there's going to be, it seems like, from what you just said, a house-to-house, door-to-door. Is the thought that it's just going to be a slight incursion, or is it going to be a total takeover of Gaza? There hasn't been an Israeli ground operation inside Gaza, I, I, I don't think, since 2014. I think it was called Operation Protective Edge. And then Israel just decided, you know what? It's not worth it. It's not worth any of our soldiers getting killed. Why don't we just keep building out the Iron Dome system? Because for at that point, it was, quote, just rockets coming at us. And if we can shoot 95% of them down, then that keeps us from having to go invade Gaza. But this has changed the calculus. But Hamas has just done in four days what nobody else could do in the last uh, year, which is unify Israel. Israel's 100% unified. And in fact, Netanyahu last night on television called for the leaders of the opposition parties to join him in an emergency unity government. Those negotiations are ongoing. I think that will probably happen. I think it should happen. And so then we'll be at war. But I think we're going into the biggest invasion of Gaza ever because I think that the unified position is enough. We can never let this happen again. And the only way is to go into Gaza so hard and so deep as to completely eradicate Hamas forever. That will be hard. That will be bloody. But there's a prophetic angle to this, Skip. It's possible that if this happens and Israel truly wins and completely eliminates Hamas, suddenly Gaza would be peaceful. And this would add to the sense of Israel's becoming more and more peaceful with more and more of its neighbors. I mean, I hate to say it that way, but it's possible that this could be setting up a moment where the Palestinians would realize they're defeated. Don't try to destroy Israel. Learn to live at peace next to Israel. And that could lead to the very conditions of Ezekiel 38, peace and prosperity in Israel, when then... Russia, Iran, and these other countries come to attack in Gog and Magog. Okay, now he's starting to look for possible biblical fulfillments, but it's based off a lot of speculation. So I would be very careful. You may want to read Ezekiel 38 numerous times carefully and and not jump to any conclusions and at least know it. Now, his overall 
philosophy here is that a lot of this could have, he believes that this was a very coordinated attack and that the strategy was to bait in a sense, Israel to to provoke them to do a full blown land invasion of Gaza, so then it would be death and destruction, and then you would unify the the basically the Islamic world against Israel even more so, and then that would you know the it be the end of peace and who knows maybe maybe then enough people would come together to then try to eradicate uh, Israel. Just so that you know, and this has been reported today a number of places, that Hamas is calling for a global day of jihad. On Friday the 13th, the Palestinian Hamas terror group known as Hamas has called, the Palestinian Hamas terror group known as Hamas has called on Muslims worldwide to stage a day of jihad or holy war on Friday, October the 13th. Now, I don't know exactly I mean, like, you don't want to speculate. You don't want to speculate, but we'll have to see how this plays out tomorrow. And uh, it's, it's something to be on the lookout for. But it, if, so to me, if ultimately, if, if depending on how you view biblical prophecy, if you believe biblical prophecy is calling for a time where the nations will rise up, that the armies will rise up and come against Israel, whether you, Russia, whomever it may be, well, what you need to do is create a situation that would provoke those nations to come against them. Well, I do agree, Israel going into Gaza, the death, destruction as the TV cameras are rolling, will provoke many nations to no no longer support Israel, but to not support them. So we will have to see. We will have to see how this plays out, how this strategy will play out. But all right, let's just continue and see where else he goes with this. Too early to draw any conclusions. There's a lot of messiness ahead of us. But I'm just saying, if you look down the road a bit, um, as bad as this is, it gives Israel... 100% 100% unity, finish this terror movement off. No more. Joel, I know you would say you're not a prophet nor the son of a prophet, but I'm going to ask you to prognosticate just a little bit. No, I'm, I'm running nonprofit, Skip. Oh, that's good. We have a tour slated for, and I'm going to get this question, so I'm asking you. We have a tour to Israel slated for May of 2024. You have one coming up as well. So i have speaking to people who have flown this week into Israel, thinking that they're going to be able to go on a tour in the next... Right, Gino Geraci was here. Right. <laughs> yeah. And and I was talking to Joel James. He was, has several hundred people coming in over the next couple months. What's your sense of this happening for people? Well, we haven't canceled the Joshua Fund tour for November. Obviously, I, I, uh, I'm not encouraging people to come right this moment. I wouldn't project all the way to December or to next May... And, and, and think that we're going to still be in this crisis. Uh, wars in Israel, even when we say they're long, they're not as long as, you know, the United States going to war in Afghanistan for 20 years. Like, we don't do that here. So we'll know in the next month or so where we are. I would encourage people to keep, you know, keep planning, leaning forward. Joel, I know you got a lot of these lined up. Thank you for taking the time. I expect to see you in May. We always right. love you when you can come and speak to the group and give us a briefing, and that would be a timely briefing indeed. So, God willing, I'll see you in May. Yeah. Uh, the interview I did with Joel, we did about 12, 11 minutes just now, but it was about a 35, 40-minute interview. That's going to be in totality living on our website for a while. So when you go to the Calvary website, right on the opening page, you'll see uh, a link where you can go watch the whole interview with Joel Rosenberg, as is the next interview, much lengthier, and that will also be on the internet as well. So, all right, before we go to the next interview, at least hopefully we can at least knock out the next one. Just remember, he mentioned Ezekiel 38. He mentioned Ezekiel 38. If you don't know how this Ezekiel 38 begins, well, well depending on your Bible, I've got the Schofield 1917 uh, reference Bible right here next to me. And if you open it up, the chapter heading, the prophecy against Gog, 
G-O-G, right? And the word of the Lord came unto me saying, Son of man, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal, and prophesy against him and say, Thus saith the Lord God, behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal, and I will turn thee back and put hooks in thy jaws, and I will bring thee forth and all thine army, horses and horsemen, all of them clothed with all sorts of armor, even a great company with bucklers and shields, all of them handling swords. Now you can go read everything that happens here and try to figure it out. If you're, if you have the Schofield Bible, again, you should just read the text, but just to show you, um, Gog, he has a number one by it, Schofield does, and at the bottom of the page, he has number one, that the primary reference is to the Northern European powers headed up by Russia, all agree. Well, not all agree, not all agree, but okay. <laughs> Maybe then that the whole passage should be read in connection with Zechariah chapter 12, verses one through four, chapter 14, one through nine, Matthew 24, 14 through 30, Revelation 14, 14 through 20, Revelation 19, 17 through 20. Gog is the prince, Magog, his land, the reference to Meshach and Tubal, Moscow. And so he he begins clearly to attach a lot of this to Russia. So that just so that you know that now, obviously, currently we have no nothing to point us towards Russia, nothing at all. Nothing at all. Nothing. So just, I mean, Russia is currently involved with Ukraine, right? So just keep that in mind um, as people and just be careful of wild speculation. But uh, he mentioned 38. You can read 38 and say, are we anywhere close to that? Is that really future? Did th- has this already happened in the past? There are lots of good questions you can ask in regards to chapter 38. You, you really want to throw in 39 as well, because the prophecy against Gog happens in chapter 39 as well. When, do you think that's already been fulfilled historically? Just just make it a point of reference uh, to become, do this. Read Ezekiel 38 and 39, and here's what I would challenge you. Don't try to interpret. Don't read commentaries. Just do an observational reading of Ezekiel 38 and 39 and try to just see what's actually in the text without any attempt to interpret it. All right, there we go. Let's let's continue to listen to this next interview. The next interview I did was with somebody who lived in Israel for a long period of time. He moved back to the States to take care of his ailing parents in Pennsylvania uh, his name is uh, Steve Ben Yeshai, also known as Steve the Tour Guide. Uh, a very intelligent guy, has a PhD, served in the Israeli Defense Forces in the Israeli Army uh, for a number of years. And so I asked him slightly different questions, uh, but this is Steve the Tour Guide. So, Steve, thank you for joining us. My um, pleasure. Listen, there's now around 1,000 uh, who have died. And that includes, I think, 11 Americans. When you heard the news, you and I were texting, but when you first heard the news, what did you feel? Uh, Well, like everybody else, I was horrified, but it was also combined with a feeling of gratitude as I was scheduled to depart for Israel myself 24 hours before the carnage began. Remember that you and I were witnesses of the Second Intifada, which claimed uh, 1,000 lives over three years. This claimed the exact same amount of people in only a few hours. Wow. So, of course, it's mind-boggling. If you reduce it to these statistics... 25,000 dead if you scale it to the American population and the entire Second Intifada, which you and I knew at the time to be the darkest days of that country's history at the time, has now been eclipsed by the darkest day in Israel's history, all of which took place on uh, Saturday the 7th. Almost 50 years to the day of the Yom Kippur War. And also important because even though between the Yom Kippur War 
and Saturday's events, Israel's been in many military conflagrations that you and I consider wars, but in their own terminology, they were always termed as military operations. When Israel declared war on Hamas on Sunday, it now made it the first war in 50 years. In other words, to Israel, all those other things where kids play compared to this war. This is the first declared war that Israel's had since the 1973 Yom Kippur War, which many cite as a precedent for, for this shocker also. One of the bases that they overran on the Gaza border was a base associated with my own military unit that I was in, uh, the battalion known as the 51st Battalion of the Golani Brigade. And uh, I saw the whole thing filmed by the Hamas uh, invaders or and uh, so, and I saw the Golani flag and, you know, the, the, the battalion flag uh, amongst the corpses of the soldiers on the ground. Uh, the soldier in me not only identified, of course, with that particular unit, but what shocked me was how quickly the base was overrun as if there wasn't even a fight. And that's what's shocking about all this. Uh how rapid this invasion took place, uh, 1,000, it's believed that at least 1,500 terrorists infiltrated the country through 40 breaches of the border fence, uh, in addition to uh, the paragliders that maybe some of you have seen on uh, footage, air, uh, sea, and land invasion, and Israel's even elite soldiers were killed easily. And I think that's what adds the humiliation to the shock. It's not only a shock, but it's a humiliation. Uh, and I would say that any, I, I, I would tell you that the, the second intifada almost eviscerated what was left of Israel's left wing. And by the way, when I say left wing in the Israeli context, I'm referring to those that have always upheld the belief of land for peace. Uh, while that second intifada almost eviscerated that movement, this totally destroyed it. I, I would say there's almost nobody left in Israel. Uh, I'm not only referring to people that want to make peace with the Palestinians, but the country's almost united with one voice to flatten Gaza. Uh, in other words, the secular humanism of the left that often uh, humanized the enemy, such as Hamas, no longer. Uh, so, right, because of the humiliation. It, it's a national humiliation, a shock, and... What it is is eventually will give way to anger because of the government. Remember, Golda Meir, uh, who was the prime minister in 1973, after the war, her prime ministership ended in disgrace over this. There's no way the current prime minister, Netanyahu, survives this politically. Saturday, October 7th, was the darkest day in Israel's national history. That's not going by my words, but by nearly every single person who comments on, on their media. Uh, in Hebrew, it's, it's become uh, the consensus. It was the darkest day, the day of infamy. Wow. So, Dave, uh, yeah. Steve, tell us a little bit about Hamas, this group known as Hamas. We know the name. Most Americans have heard sure. it. I don't think they understand uh, what it is in particular, um, because there are so many groups in the Middle East. That okay, this is going to fit in perfectly with the Bible quiz that we did. So in a roundabout way, some of this is helping you with the, the Bible pop quiz that I gave everyone. Let's see if they offer any who, what, where, when, how of Hamas. Let's find out. That are poised yes. against Israel. Tell us about sure. Hamas. So the name Hamas is uh, an, an acronym in Arabic for the Islamic Resistance Movement. And according to their charter, they stand for three things I can just think of off the top of my head. Uh, jihad against the Jews in particular, jihad against the world in general, in other words, all infidels, First, the Saturday people means they'll first kill the Jews. Then the Sunday people means they'll uh, secondly kill the Christians. Uh, and to set up a global caliphate, the same belief that ISIS had, the same belief that Al-Qaeda had. It's just a local Palestinian expression of it, but with the same inspiration, the same methodology uh, as became, you know, I'm not sure how where you have become of the grisly details of this attack, but on one kibbutz that was overrun by these attackers, 40 babies were killed. Many of them are beheaded. Others. Okay, there's that report again. Let me just state again 
at least as of today, there are now there's now pushback on those claims. Some have retracted the claims, and some are saying that at least at a bare minimum, those attacks are unconfirmed. Now, if they are confirmed, then okay. We just want to be careful. Continue to look for confirmation from multiple sources. Just because you see a video or a picture, you've got to find out where the video and picture came from and to ensure that it has not been manipulated, taking out of context, and it actually is a verifiable, uh, uh, you know, firsthand account of what happened. All right. So we just, I, all I can do is turn on the microphone and do what I can to try to keep us level-headed, looking for facts. We want wisdom, put away lies, speak the truth, and continue to look. Now, many of these interviews were done a couple of days ago when those reports were everywhere, everywhere. Even by some media was reporting it. And uh, so many times in these situations, before you start repeating it, you got to stop and go, let me wait and see. So we'll have to wait and see were burned alive. So their tactics, similar to what you know of the ISIS uh, era, you know, in, in Iraq and Syria, and uh, it's a jihadist organization associated with the global jihad, but it's the local Palestinian expression of that global jihad. So Stephen, look, we these are obvious atrocities. There's no question. You see these images and videos coming in, and yet... If you listen to some of the other side, there's a narrative claiming it's Israel's fault. It's what I get on my social media when I put on posts about praying for Israel. There's people who are waiting for this because they want to tout the other narrative. I want you to respond to those who claim this is really Israel's long-term policy consequence. Well, look, um, first of all, I want to say, Skip, that where people stand on the Arab-Israeli conflict betrays a lot more about them than where they stand on the Arab-Israeli conflict. It cuts down to their orientation on all sorts of things, whether they believe in God or whether they're atheists, whether they're leftists or whether they're rightists. What, there, there's many issues behind where people stand on the Arab-Israeli conflict. But, you know, the main uh, charge... Now that, I, I believe there's some truth to his, his perspective there, that a lot of times when people take a, they're, they're speak about Israel or Palestinians or Hamas or, or anything going on, it really, it's almost being driven by something else. It's really weird. Like if you reject Christianity, you reject God, then many times immediately you're on the Palestinian side, you're on the Muslim side, and you're against the Jews and you're against the Christians. And I've always found that weird because sometimes it's those who are extremely left, those who may want to support same-sex marriage and transgender rights and the LGBTQ community, they're very liberal, will be very almost pro-Islam, pro-Muslims, pro-Hamas, and you want to go... They would kill you in 2.3 seconds. It's really weird. Like they, they, they're like, well, Christians are on the other side and I hate, it's like Christianity is so horrible. I don't know why then you would support anything related to any form of, of Islam. It makes no sense to me. It is, per, it is just, it is weird. It is so weird. And it, it does seem true that those who are, I'm going to say evangelical, independent fundamental Baptists, those who may be more dispensational and their eschatology, they tend to be much more pro-Israel, believing God is not done with Israel and God has a plan for the nation that, inc- that, that includes them obtaining the land. All right, there's, there's that view. And then there's hardcore Christian nationalists who for some weird reason is very anti-Semitic. So I think a lot of times when people begin to talk about Israel, Hamas, Palestine, the Palestinians, the Middle East, it really does like there's something else driving their 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 perspective. And it's, sometimes it's weird. It's like, whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Before we start talking about Israel and Hamas or Israel and Palestine, what do you believe about this, 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 this? And then, and then it's weird. It's kind of like, I think that's driving your opinion here. I don't know if your opinion is being based off anything other than 
you hate this or you hate like it's so weird because anyone who's liberal you think they would they would loathe anything that islam gets near you think those who are liberal on the left would loathe islam they would hate islam they would condemn you think they would be burning the quran they would be blaspheming muhammad they, you think they would they would well, well they wouldn't want it anywhere but in some weird re- ways they put their hatred towards christianity Instead of Islam, I, it's, it is one of the most fascinating things to watch unfold. So a lot of times when people start talking about these issues, it, all it really seems is the outworking of other issues. It's, it's really interesting to, to see it play out. Is that Israel in the past, you know, when they, when they go to war with the Gaza Strip, you know, innocents are killed in the process and therefore Israel's uh, cruel and, and kills innocents. And I would say, look, Israel has uh, in Israel has inadvertently and unintentionally killed innocents in a built up the most densely populated uh, strip in the world is the Gaza Strip. The Hamas leadership hides behind its civilian population is a is a great example that really meets the gold standard of it. Back in 2014, during Operation Cast Lead. The whole Hamas leadership made its headquarters under the main hospital of Gaza City, Hmm. which presented Israel with the choice, and they were two awful choices, either preserve the the lives of Hamas's leadership to fight that war and fight another day in the future, which is an awful choice. We are living with the consequences of that right now, versus dropping a bomb on that hospital and killing all the people in it and being accused of of a war crime. What did they decide to do? Excuse me? What did they decide to do of those two options? Well, those two choices, they let the Hamas leadership to fight another day, and that same leadership uh, just committed the worst atrocity in Israel's history. Being an American, you're... And let me say this, all right? You can believe that God made a covenant with the nation of Israel, that Israel coming back into the land was a significant first step in fulfilling that ultimate covenant, that Israel will get the land, they will, all the blessings will go to them as a nation. You can believe that and still very much condemn anything Israel does that is wrong. Anything that they do that's evil, you can condemn it because God just as God saves me, not based on what I do or will not do, but because of his sovereign election and his grace and mercy and imputed righteousness, if he has a plan to ultimately save Israel, it's because of his sovereign choice, his election, and because of his grace and mercy, not because Israel deserves it. It's When you say God is not done with Israel and he's going to do this, it's not because you're saying Israel deserves it. No, the whole point is they don't deserve it. Just like God, I don't deserve it. So you can still condemn anything they do. Some, it's so weird to sometimes like, you can't, no, you can condemn it. If Israel commits a great atrocity, you can condemn it. It's perfectly okay to do so. Yourself and an Israeli who has yes. lived in both places, what would you leave us with uh, going forward in, in this situation? As believers. What, as it relates to doing research on the media? No, as, as it relates to how we are to think and pray and, and responsibly stand for Israel going forward. Excellent. So I think on Saturday we saw a moral clarity that has rarely been presented to us. The face of pure evil on display versus the face of uh, its victims. And I think, Skip, in the next few weeks, a lot of people, including Christians, are going to be put to the test. As Israel entrenches itself in this war, you're going to see the amping up of of anti-Semitism is going to amp up dramatically, dramatically. You're going to see these mass uh, pro-Hamas, pro-Palestinian rallies throughout every American city. It's possible that your co-workers... You know, those that work in secular endeavors, you know, their co-workers are going to confront them and say, aren't you one of these pro-Israel nutjob Christians? Look at these people. Look at these Jews. A lot of Christians are going to have to be, they're going to be tested. Mm-hmm. And how successful they are on that test has to do with their convictions. And where their convictions are has to do with how much time they spend with the Lord each day. So one of the things, and this may surprise you, this answer, because uh, you were asking me about politics, but now I'll just 
give my one spiritual insight. We're so bombarded. And, and unfortunately, so many of us spend so much time in front of cable news, more than we do in the presence of the Lord. And we've entered a very dark time where if we're going to survive these days, Skip, if we're going to pass the test as individuals, we have to spend that time in the presence of the Lord and let that other stuff be chatter. You know, and if there's anybody listening to this who who can do what you call in Hebrew, hashbon nefesh, you know, an accounting of where's my soul? Where's the state of my soul today? Am I allowing my soul to be filled more by cable news and by headlines, you know, and by all the emotions that that stirs more than I'm spending quality time with the Lord each day, whether that's in the morning or whatever time that person does that. The well of our strength is in that time, not the time that we spend in front of the TV or news sites. And I just want, and this, and, and by the way, I'm preaching to myself. The last couple of weeks, I've been doing everything I can, even before this broke out, this war, to, to really dig deep into my daily fount of strength. Hmm. Uh, because it doesn't come from the media. It doesn't come from the chatter. It comes from the spirit that's within, you know, for those of us that are believers. And that's what I would say to encourage all of us. And that's not exclusive to the Israel issue or anything going on. We've entered a very dark time. We're already in that time. Yeah. The only way any of us can survive it and stay clean and keep our garments clean and be able to love the other, you know, even people who we disagree with, is to go to that found where we get our, our the living waters, you know, uh, that Jesus spoke about in the book of John, the living waters that keep giving if you agree to go to them each day and drink from them. Yeah, that's a good word. You sound like a preacher, Steve. Steve the Preacher. And we will stop right there because once again, we're over an hour. These go by really, really fast. We may come back to this. Those were two very interesting interviews. Um, I, I do believe that one of the major things to watch for is the anti-Semitism that I do believe is going to show up everywhere, everywhere everywhere. And it's going to come from the left. It's going to be who, who's going to be pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas, anti-Semitic, Christian nationalist, for some weird reason, anti-Semitic. And you as a, and I hate to say it, there will be some who will not be anti-Semitic within Christianity. They're just going to be like, well, it's not Israel's land. I don't support Israel because God's done with Israel and all of those promises go to the church. They may not be anti-Semitic, but they may be, they may come across as extremely uncaring or being provocative just to try to make their theological point. I, I, I loathe anti-Semitism. I loathe all forms of bigotry or hatred of any people based off their Anything based off their actions, creed, I mean, actions, I guess if they commit a horrible crime, they should be punished. But this painting all people with the same brush and hating people because of their race or or different things, I just know we're supposed to love even our enemy. We're supposed to do. And so just please don't allow the anti-Semitism just to go unchecked. I think we have to call it out. And especially it should not be happening within a church. Um, under any circumstances. No form of raci- racism, bigotry, prejudice should be happening in, in that sense. So, yeah, definitely be on the lookout for that. All right. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. Again, you can go listen to the rest of that. Skip Heidzig, Calvary Chapel, Skip Hides at Calvary Chapel. We may review a little bit more of that later, uh, but we will we will do that at a different time and probably just in its own podcast. We won't do a part two of this. We'll let this stand alone, but you can go listen. I think he said that he did three interviews, so there's another interview. You can go listen to it. Skip Hides at Calvary Church uh, in uh, Albuquerque, New Mexico, and uh, Calvary Chapel Church, and you should be able to find it. If you can't, let me know. I can Look it up for you, and you should subscribe to his podcast and to the sermons from the church. And uh, you can see if, how, how they continue to cover this moving forward. All right. Thank you. Email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a great Thursday evening. God bless.